0: All right, boys. We are so psyched to have Elena Aguilar on on Ed's Not Dead. Elena is the founder and president of Bright Morning Consulting. Since 2007, Elena and Bright Morning have provided training in instructional coaching, educational consulting, and professional development to educators across the states and abroad. Elena has trained thousands of educators across the U.S. and abroad in transformational coaching and team development. She's a regular contributor for Edutopia, which the boys know I have a very hard time pronouncing. It's kind of like a phonetic thing. An Ed Week teacher and has published two highly acclaimed books, The Art of Coaching in 2013 and The Art of Coaching Teams in 2016. Elena spent 20 years as a classroom teacher, instructional coach, and leadership coach working in diverse school environments. Elena, welcome to Ed's Not Dead. We're so glad to have you on the show.
1: Thank you so much. Can I also just add? Yeah, that add I, anything um, you want. Go have ahead. Have another book was just published in May of this year, 2018, okay. and that one is called "Onward: Cultivating Emotional Resilience in Educators." And um, and and that one is a big part of my focus these days. And how do we help educators manage stress and prevent burnout and retain really effective folks in our school. So that's a, the most recent work. It's an extension of the work around coaching.
2: And that's that w- one of the reasons that I um, felt the desire to reach out is I actually saw your um, your book and, and well, I saw it advertised and I was like, oh, that's perfect for the start of the year. And I, I actually, one of the first questions I wanted to ask was what what got you into, I mean, we know it's a major need, but what pushed you to write this book onward, and from what I can tell, there's not really another book out there that that kind of has the guidance that you've provided with that framework.
1: No, there isn't, and I suppose that was what... Um, it's a book that I wish I had had when I was a first-year teacher, or maybe a fifth-year teacher, and I was starting to get a little burnt out, or when I started coaching, or five years into coaching. It's, it's what I felt like... I wish I'd had to help me manage the stressors and really just to find more joy in the work. Sure. And then as a teacher, I saw such high turnover as a coach, um, working with both teachers and administrators, what our conversations kept coming back to was really the stress and the overwhelm and, um, you know, the how do you balance, how do you find, you know, how do you find a work-life balance, how do you prioritize, how do you find joy um, so regardless of whether I was coaching around rubrics or formative assessment right. or around building an effective team, it kept coming back to emotions and resilience.
3: And so in, in looking at, um, the kind of progression of your books, and as you said, you started, you know, coaching the art of coaching teams and then, um, got to cultivating emotional resilience in educators. I mean, in terms of a hierarchy, where do you place them? I mean, obviously they're really important, but, Um, you know, there's the professional kind of like development and skills aspect. And then there's like the personal, personal, emotional need. I mean, how do you, where's the intersection of those two? And, Mm -hmm. you know, what do you place first and how do you go about doing that?
1: Mm -hmm. Some of it depends on who the reader is, what your needs are. And so the art of coaching and the book on teams are most useful for people whose roles include, Building the capacity of others and so whether that's a teacher leader, a coach, an administrator, those two books help you figure out how do I help adults learn, how do I bring out the best in them, Um, that's that's really those two, that's the primary audience for those books. Onward, my primary audience for Onward is really any educator. I thought a lot about the needs of teachers and um, the needs of teachers as aligned with the school year and the calendar. But I also thought a lot, because I've worked so much with administrators about their particular needs, and so Onward can be used by sort of the individual working to cultivate their resilience, as well as by coaches and administrators who want to support others to build their resilience.
0: Uh so we uh, in our first season, Elena focused a lot on equity. Uh, we had some we had some great guests in season one on of Ed's Not Dead. We had Zaretta Hammond on the show. We had Curtis Linton on the show. Um, equity, uh, cultural proficiency, a commitment to social justice is is an explicit part of what you do. How does that work um, fit in to the coaching and the consulting you do with school systems?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So I see problems of change in schools as problems of learning. And my whole theory of action around which I've built my business and my work is if we can learn how to learn more effectively, if we can learn how to guide others in learning, we could interrupt the inequities in schools and build a much more just and equitable world. And so the first two books (laughs) thank you, are really sort of how do we working with adult learners is really in some ways very different from working with kids. There's lots of overlap, but there's also big differences. Sure. Um, And so we need to know something about learning because if we want to guide people through, uh, through building equitable classrooms and, um, developing culturally responsive pedagogy and so on, then we need to know how to guide them. We can't just tell them, look, things are really bad. Look at this data. You know, th- this is <laughs>
0: Make awful. it better. It oh, yeah, right. Just make it better. Uh, yeah, I think I've been guilty of that. Right. Go ahead. Yes. Right.
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, here's the data. Go out and change it. This is right. your goal for this year. It was like, <laughs> I felt like as a teacher and as an administrator, I started so many years with my in a district that sort of yelled at us and told us like, this is awful. How can we be doing this? It's unconscionable. It's like, yes, I know. So how do we, what do we do? I don't know how to do it. Um, And so that's why I've really focused on learning. But then the other piece is if we're going to have conversations about equity and implicit bias and internalized oppression, all of that, which we have to, we're going to have some emotions. It's going to happen. We shouldn't be, if we're not having conversations in which we have emotions, we're not having good conversations. And if we're going to have conversations in which emotions are going to come up, we really need to know something about them, how to respond to them, how to engage with them, and how to build our resilience because this is going to be a long, you know, it's a long journey we're on and we need to stay strong and be able to fight the good fight.
3: So my question was going to be, you know, what is the biggest barrier to adult learning? And is it that? Is it the kind of accessibility in terms of dealing with emotions, or is it something else that you've seen?
1: That's a great question. Um, the biggest barrier, I think that we, or some people, forget that adults need to be learners, and that is reflected in sort of what I just referenced about you go to the beginning of the year, meetings and retreats, and here's the day to go change it. adults. We need to have learning time it needs to be not meeting time, that's different, but learning time. And I right. think the higher the farther up you get in the perceived hierarchy, you know principals go to so many meetings, but do they really get professional development in being leaders and leaders for equity? And central office people get even less? and um, and I think we've forgotten that adults and teachers and principals, everybody, they need to have time for being learners, right. And we need to create the conditions in which learning, can happen and those conditions include psychological safety and the ability to have um, conflict with colleagues and have some guidance and support around how to deal with conflict so
3: i'm gonna I'm gonna make several assumptions here and they're probably all incorrect <laughs> but I, I would I would imagine um, you know for you coming into whether it's um, a school or a district or whatever i would I would think that trust is a is a big and or key component of team building, learning, vulnerability, et cetera. So, you know, for you, I guess, going in um, and not really knowing them, how do you build that trust? How do you cultivate that trust in a short period of time? And then, you know, what lessons can can school-based personnel or, you know, district-based personnel take from that to help cultivate that trust um, and and the openness and vulnerability in staff?
1: Interestingly, I would say when I come in to work with a group or a district or an individual, I rarely encounter the same kinds of challenges around trust that I did when I was inside of a district. And I think that that is for a couple of reasons. First of all, in some ways, there's a more openness to an outsider sometimes. Now, when I was within a school district, that would have surprised me because we were distrustful of everyone from the outside. (laughs) Who are you? Um, Those people from central (laughs) office. Exactly. Yeah. Like here's some outside consultant coming in to tell us what, you know, they don't know us, they don't know our kids. Um, But when I go into work with people, whether it's for a day long PD or something else, I, I'm really good at listening. That's what coaching is all about. And I know how to listen and I'm curious about people and my core, operating values really are compassion and curiosity and I don't go into a context um, wanting to tell people they're wrong or they're bad or you know why are you doing this or how can this be I want to listen for opportunities for learning and support them in their growth and the only way you can work with adult learners is to meet them where they are right and you may not like where they are but that's where they are (laughs) and if you meet them with anger and frustration they're not going to trust you and if you meet them with acceptance and compassion and understanding that like they're doing the best they can with who given who they are where they are and what they've got and we can still all improve and so i think you know my advice for administrators or anybody trying to build trust is be aware of the judgments that you're making Learn how to listen better. I mean, I've had to learn. It's taken me a decade to feel like I'm basically a decent listener because <laughs> we're not taught how to listen. No, learn how to exactly. listen. Go into relationships and conversations from a stance of compassion and curiosity and humility and see what happens then. Trust is definitely something that's a, it's it takes a lot of intention to build and to maintain because you don't just build it and it stays there forever. Right. But that's it is. You can't do this work without trust.
2: And I, I think you bring up a really good point about coming in with a positive, positive outlook starting. Because if you come in with a negative assumption about who the staff members are, what kind of people they are, you're already starting out on the wrong foot, just like if you did with, with kids and you looked at their – if you kind of knew them beforehand and you, before you started teaching them, you, you had these negative assumptions about them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, so one of the things in your book you talk about is the 12 habits – that build resilience, and I was wondering, mm-hmm. I have, it's kind of a two-parter, part, two one is how, um, can, how could you explain that to our listeners in a nutshell, the 12 habits, and then the follow-up to that is how do you, how do you suggest like we, a staff or a, a coaching team upholds these habits over time, over a period of, of a school year or however long you, you would expect them to, to go with them?
1: So I would say the first thing is it's really important to know that resilience can be built. Basically, it's like a muscle and you're born with a certain amount and you can build it. And resilience is your ability to not only survive the challenges that are thrown at you, but to actually thrive in spite of them, to experience a challenge or a setback you fall down, you get up and you find that you've actually really learned something or gotten stronger. Um, And so that's the first thing to know is, and that it can be built. And so the building of it is, it's a practice and it's similar to, I suppose, building the endurance and muscle ability to run a marathon. Like you've got to do it every day. And then if you don't, you know, if you do the marathon and then you get back on the couch, you're not going to maintain the same kind of physical ability. So it's something that we need to keep practicing every day. Um, And so the book is anchored in 12 habits that after a lot of research about resilience and thinking about the needs of educators are the 12 that identified as the highest leverage for educators. So, for example, for September, the habit is build community and that and it maps on to the um, months of the year, because right. right now, in the beginning of the school year, we are focused on building community. Um, and but then the the habit, for example, in September is. Um, encourages people and guides people to think about things like their listening and their nonverbal communication and implicit bias because all of that comes up when we're trying to build community. Right. Um so and then the workbook that goes with it has one activity for every day of the year because again we need to be daily practicing these habits or they're not gonna stick.
0: Uh Elena, this has been great. It's so wonderful to have you on the show. Uh where can people find you? I was just um I was just jealously looking at your number of Twitter followers, <laughs> but, but let, let our audience know where they can track you down and where they can get your, um, your books and get in touch with you.
1: The best place to start, is probably our website, which is bright morning That's our company website Um, I should also say we've got a website just for the resilience work and that is onwardthebook.com okay and that's a website that's relevant to anybody not just educators Um, and on either of those websites you can find the links to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube um, and find me there
3: okay awesome let me ask you an unrelated question how many uh, frequent flyer miles do you have (laughs) (laughs) Like a bajillion. You
1: know what? (laughs) All I know is that when I take an annual trip abroad, You're I have good. enough to be able to go first class and I'm like, "Oh, that is
3: sweet. There you go." You, that's all
1: I know. I do it in a way so that like they all funnel in and either on British Airways or American, I can get the my down seat so Oh that is, man, so that's it, really exciting. There you go. All right,
0: yeah. we, we, we want to be you in our next <laughs> our next life. All right. All right, Elena. Thanks. Uh we'll we'll get you on the show again. Thanks for joining us on Ed's Not Dead. Fellas, say goodbye. Bye, hey, Elena. So Thanks, Elena. Take care.
1: You're welcome. Take care. Bye.